Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie, PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. With us here in studio are Colleen Hammond. She's the chair of Erie County Home Team Homeless and Housing Coalition. Colleen, thanks for coming on the show. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you so much. You're terrific. And Chris Tomba, she's the chair of the Community Engagement and Marketing for the Homeless and Housing Coalition and the Development Director of Erie Dawn. Chris, great to see you again. Oh, great to see you too. All right. Have either of you been on the show yet? No. Uh, okay. No. So we're a family show. We like to get Oregon stories. Colleen, we'll start with you. How did you come up? Are you an Erie uh, kid or did you transplant in? I am a total Erie kid. (laughs) (laughs) I'm the oldest of five and I was raised out in Mill Creek but went to School, Catholic school, Lady Peace, yeah. uh, Villa, Gannon, Gannon, um, Seton Hill. So I am... um, I think that's the most exciting thing and I'm so excited to be here because when we talk community... And talking about homelessness, this fits right back into my social work start. Sure. And so I've uh, started with welfare, working often with people who are homeless in the welfare population. Okay. The Department of Public Welfare. Taught for a while, kindergarten. Awesome. Wow. I couldn't believe they would pay me to do that job. It was so wonderful. (laughs) But then I had this master's in um, psych, you know, teasing me. So I went back and worked for mental health from uh, 1990 to a recent partial retirement a couple of years ago. So that gave me an opportunity to go back and to work with my friend Chris, who invited me um, to see if I had an interest in sharing this group we have 123 on our email mailing list that that we go out to and we open our meet yes 123 different organizations that we invite to our public meetings which are every other month okay and it gives me an opportunity then to go back kind of to my roots at welfare sure sure, and have the opportunity to work with our community residents in making area a more potentially positive place for those who have challenges. We're going to dig so into all you. of that. Yeah. Thank you, Colleen. How about you, Chris? How did you come up? Did you transplant in or did oh, you no, grow up here? I'm yeah. from Erie, Pennsylvania, yeah. and I am in the middle of 10 children. I'm actually wow. the, I'm actually the oldest of the second batch. Um, <laughs> I, that's exactly who I am. I, out of eight, I'm yeah. the so number five not, of eight. Yes. You're not oh. the middle child. We're the we're the you know number you, one child. You know the, the the guy that wrote the birth order book, right. Kevin Lehman. Yes. He said I'm all screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I talked to him, right? So he's like, well, I, I I'm number five of eight, but I'm first of the second batch, yeah. and he's like, yeah, you're just screwed up. Yeah, <laughs> that's what so, happens. That's what happens to a big family. Exactly. Like, yeah. Um, oh. and I've just I've always lived in Erie, and um, you know, back in the '80s late 80s, I got involved with working at the city mission. Okay. And so uh, working at the city mission for many, many years, working with homeless women, and then um, working in development and fundraising. Mm -hmm. And then I went to Mercy Center for Women for 18 years and retired. And then after a year of being retired, I thought, oh, I'm just kind of bored. And so then I'm now working part-time with um, Erie Dawn and always have been involved with the home team um, for many, many years. And just um, keep keeping um, 
keeping like your my finger on the pulse of what is really happening in the homes community and how can all of us together as a community help end homelessness well so, I, 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 think, I think it's uh, yeah i think it's important for people to understand that instead of people in their silos, this is an organization, this is a coalition that's bringing all the brightest minds on this issue together. And uh, they, they, uh, the Erie County Home Team Homeless and Housing Coalition is our local continuum of care to coordinate housing and service funding for homeless and near homeless families and individuals. And Colleen, I, I want to ask you, because this is kind of the burning question that everybody has is, are we moving the needle to uh, solving homelessness in Erie uh, or is it getting worse in Erie? You know, I think that is an excellent question, Joel, and it certainly is one that I think we've been trying to discern on the Erie County Home Team. Two things come up for me. I think the purpose of the home team being to try and end homelessness. We're trying to eradicate homelessness in our lifetimes. Is that a big job? Without a doubt, it is. It may be a never-ending job. It, right. it may not. I mean, you may That's never true. get to zero or net zero, but we can Correct. try, right? But the I mean, goal is always net yeah. zero. Right. And moving toward that goal, I think, is our most positive energy point. Mm-hmm. However, I do think we have been very lucky recently. As in everything else, COVID has brought tremendous challenges, but it's brought some positives. And the thing that it's brought that's positive to Erie County is the amount of resource, money for resources, both the city and the county and through the Department of Human Services um, mostly. There have been grant opportunities that we have not seen before. They secured a grant for $23 million for Erie County. We also have a grant for multiple millions for rental assistance. Yes. So just recently, in fact, I called this morning to ask um, one of our compatriots what his latest total was. And we have served 3,300 households for just rental assistance since it began this past year. So when you think about you know, the COVID challenges of homeless on the street, where they're way more visible than probably they have been in all day shelters previously. Mm-hmm. And as well as that, the COVID sickness that obviously, you know, sometimes is, is transmitted. We have had these opportunities for financial resources that we have never seen the like of before, that we're trying to utilize as best we can to help everyone some some might say that it's like a fire hose of cash that's going after this problem uh, you know and and again it's a broad interpretation of homelessness it's not always yes. the person uh, you know that is sleeping on the bench it is the idea of people that are uh, that are in fear of losing the roof over their head, right? Correct. You're totally Correct. accurate. And, you know, it's interesting because last night I also volunteer a lot at the um, Emmaus Soup Kitchen. So I have an opportunity to talk to people all the time, which offers another perspective as well. Some anecdotal, some not. Sure. But one of the gentlemen I gave the, and I think I might talk about this resource right now for a section sideways section yeah. here. Emergency rental assistance. Um, I used to be the director of mental health at Erie County Care Management. They are the ones who currently currently have the millions of dollars that we can use rental assistance for. So I'm talking to this man who's telling me he's very concerned he's going to lose his housing. Mm. He works three part-time jobs. 
57 years old, three part-time jobs, right? So this is working poor. This isn't someone who's been chronically homeless. He's afraid for the first time in his life he'll lose his housing. He was able then to take the number, which if you got an Erie paper this morning, they have these tremendous little stickers Mm -hmm. that you can pull right off, right, that talk about how you can access emergency rental assistance. But I happened to run into him today on my... uh, on an errand downtown, and he's already called them. He knows he's going to be eligible to get rental assistance. So he is a person who's never been homeless, was laying awake nights worrying about his first-time experience of homelessness, who's a member of our solid working community but couldn't make ends meet during COVID because his shift hours and all three part-time jobs have been reduced. Is that right? So this again, this this confounds me because, um, you know, if we were to go to Erie uh, PA Career Link for Erie County, yes. we'd probably be at twenty eight hundred jobs. But then now, now the new narrative that I'm hearing, which I, this is too much of a rabbit trail for our topic today. The new narrative, though, that I'm hearing is uh, people that are applying and not getting jobs. Like like uh, yes. people are applying for things. And they're not getting the call or something like this with Colleen saying um, they, they, they drop my hours. What? I right. thought I thought we had this extreme uh, shortage of workers. How why are you dropping hours? But it's it is happening. Right. I think I think it would be great to hear from some people that those things happened. Yeah. So if you call in and you yes, know, we'd like to hear, you know, why the thing about other than Colleen said about ending homelessness um, you know, will we ever end homelessness? Boy, it would be wonderful if we could. But if we could possibly end somebody having reoccurred homelessness, mm. that's what, you know, we spend a lot of time and and energy and, and our resources really helping people so that they do not become homeless again. Kind of this chronic homelessness right. cycle exactly of cycle. homelessness. And again, uh, you know, it, it takes on all kinds of forms. You think about that you have situations where you have you have kids that are going to school that are couch uh, surfing with their buddies, you know, but they're still going to school. You have all kinds of other uh, situations that people are dealing with. It, it's a it's a tough situation. Um, we've we've got a couple minutes here before our first break here. Um, so so you've put together. Uh, uh, membership from many different sectors. You have business people, education people, faith-based, former homeless persons, funders, and so on um, for the Erie Home Team. What what uh, got that going here, uh, Chris? I mean, how did that all come together? And um, you know, uh, in 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 what what are these meetings like? We what do you talk about? Well, the reason why I came together mainly, it's and, and the home team's been around the Neary County for a long time, yeah. is because we do re, we do get HUD money into Erie County. And HUD says if you get HUD money to help with housing, then you need to have a group of people that are going to get together and you're, you should really be trying to end homelessness within your community. Mm-hmm. So that's a, a kind of a small version of what we do. And at the, you know, at the meetings, you know, we talk about um, homelessness and, and what are the numbers? Are, are the numbers going down? Are they going up? What are some of the reasons why people are becoming homelessness? Um, you know, one of the um, 
the the things that I read recently was about um, you compare poverty to the box. Okay. And, you know, reasons for poverty, you know, low wages, inadequate transportation, lack of easily accessible childcare, housing that is not affordable or safe or clean or in good neighborhoods. And then what happens is, you know, people end up staying in that box because it's not just one of those things that they're dealing with. It could be all of those things that you're dealing with. Absolutely. So then the home team and the agencies that are within the home team and, the, and, and you know, the community, then we, you know, we try to uh, find out, you know, how can we help that person get a sustainable job? Um, how can they afford um, health care? How can they get um, child care? And um, how can we get affordable housing for them? And, you know, so then it, it breaks down to, you know, trying to find jobs that they are able to have that money from their job and the money from their job is going to pay for their housing. Um, and, you know, a lot of times that becomes um, difficult. They don't have enough funds to pay everything that they need to pay. And uh, we want to make sure that they they don't fall back into that box and become homeless again. As far as on the supply side, and we're going to have to take a break in a second, but on the supply side of housing, if we look at just housing in general, let's, we'll take our eye off the people for a second, but look at housing. We do have, uh, you know, the Erie Housing Authority, right? We have Section 8 housing owned by private concerns. And then we have nonprofits, right? So like Hands and uh, other folks that do that as well. Would you say that all told the need is like how much more greater than what the infrastructure that exists for housing, Colleen? I would say it's much greater. As we look at those resources you've spoken about, what we also have are people who are on a fixed income. Individuals who are retired, individuals who are disabled. But we have retirement housing, too. We have those towers, Tulio Towers, and we, all that stuff, right? You're right. We do have lots of resources. But what we find is the demand is exceeding the resource. Okay. Additionally, as you look at people on fixed income, there's two parts. One is we have not as much affordable housing. That's the big challenge, yes. is we're finding that people may now have disability or uh, someone turns 62 and can secure their retirement through Social Security, but they don't have access to affordable housings. Number two, a lot of those programs have waiting lists, and what you also find is there's a large portion of people who don't qualify for that programming. They go by eligibility, and much of that eligibility is financial. And some of the housing projects, there are certain ones um, that are streamlined for people who are over 65. They're, well, really over 60. There are people, there are some that are streamlined for people who are retired over the age of, of 60, but also have disabilities. There are some where the younger disabled people are not able to access because each funding stream has very specific concrete rules that are attached to that funding stream. So as you look, I think you make great point about resource. And I think, Gary, we're lucky because we do have a lot of people, a lot of resource and individuals and agencies who have gone for grants. Our county supports all that. But we have many more people than resource. There's a, a few ways that we can look at this homeless problem. Um, certainly the, the one way 
is sheer people that are living off of the street. Uh, maybe they're fighting some kind of a behavioral health problem, mentally mental illness. Um, they are uh, maybe uh, fighting addictions. Um, and, and they basically – or there's a situation where they just are not willing to to enter into uh, – and, and I think this is a very small percentage. I think there's a small percentage that just not willing to enter into the rules of some of our housing. You know, like, hey, if I want to join um, community shelter, you know, one of their – to get one of their one bedrooms or whatever, you, you've got to have – you've got to follow rules, right? I mean – Absolutely. I mean, and so uh, either being clean or, you know, or, you know, uh, keeping the place up. And I mean, people get kicked out for behavior, right? Correct. Okay. Good. I mean, so that's that's one element. Um, But then there's this other element of of like housing insecurity, much like there's food insecurity. uh, It's all these social determinants of health, you know, where where um, there are people just making it. And here's here's the rub, Colleen, that I'm I'm that I'm seeing as part of this this era of covid. Okay, from what I understand, there's a lot of money coming down from the feds in the state. I mean, we're we're getting a fire hose of cash. Uh, It allows uh, the organizations to fully fund um, getting housing, and so they're they're talking to landlords. And okay, you know you're you're going to be we're going to be able to pay for this person to come into your place. But all the reporting that we're doing here on the show is rent is rents are going up like crazy. Rents are ridiculous in Erie, and so this place that's known for its forty five thousand dollar homes. You know, in the middle of the city, well, that that mortgage would only be about three hundred bucks, but to rent that home could be eight nine hundred dollars. Am I off on this? No, you're right on that. And let me just give you a little vignette. Say that you're a woman who is in a domestic violence situation. Let's just go to an anecdote that is true every day of the week. You leave there. You have an opportunity to go to a shelter or a space that will help you. You can run. They will help you because you're fleeing domestic violence. Okay. If you don't have income, say you have one child, if you go to the Department of Public Welfare and apply for assistance, cash assistance, you want to take a guess on how much you could get as a woman with one dependent child for cash assistance a month? uh, 500 or... $316 $316 a month. Oh, my. $316 a month. That's, that's it. Not, that's it. That's it. And you want to know when the last time they had a raise? Well, I worked there in the 1980s, <laughs> and the amounts are the same. So When I, I was going to look them up, I thought, I don't have to look these up. Maybe all the 35 same. years ago? Mm-hmm. That's that's obscene. It really, yeah. I mean, it's obscene. So now take a look at an apartment. Say that you want to be in a safe neighborhood. You take a look at an apartment at, oh, I don't know, maybe West Day Street. Maybe you want to go out by the West Street Plaza. Sure. You you couldn't touch that. So even if these housing programs and the fire hose of money, right, yeah, was able to pay for your first month's rent and security deposit, that doesn't help you because on $316 a month, what are you going to be able to afford? So, well, and, and but if you if you are qualifying for the rental assistance, that's going to be able to be a part of your your structure here, right? Not forever, no. That's the thing. Right. Not forever. No. And if you don't qualify for rental ins- assistance, you're on your own. Y- you're you're right. really up a crick yeah. because um, 
uh, you've got a situation where the housing market is got extreme upward pressure on rents. Okay, yes. so the the next time somebody leaves that landlord, uh, and it's and it's well, well within their right to you know to uh, catch up with the market. So they might have been uh, they might have had a five fifty. It could be six fifty the next with the next tenant, right? Correct. I mean, this Absolutely. this happens all the time. Um, you know, I, but I, I like to talk about solutions. I'm not sure we're going to get the solutions in the next minute because we got to go to our news break here. Um, I, what concerns me the most, though, are families that are trying to put this together. I, I think like single men, you know, probably are doing okay. Maybe even single women. I, I, I don't want to overstate it, but like there's options there. Right. Um, families. You know, you need two, three bedrooms. I don't even know. I don't even know where folks would go. You know, uh, I mean, there's obviously, you know, Hans has those great homes down in Edinburgh. They've got great units here in the city. And again, I have just a very limited understanding. But uh, it seems like we would need all kinds of more inventory. You know, at every level, is that accurate? Well, more inventory yes. and and better safe. Safer neighborhoods, um, okay. you know, which is, you know, especially a woman from um, a dem- domestic violence situation, you know, she wants to be able to be in a safe neighborhood. You do a single point in time survey every year. What time of a year does that happen, Colleen? That's the last 10 days in January. Okay. So you could imagine. It's coming up, huh? It's wow. coming yes. up. It's coming. And we didn't do one last year because of COVID. Yeah. The federal government suspended the requirement for that. But the last 10 days in January, our numbers are certainly robust. This, this, is, this is kind of shocking to me. The total that was counted in 2019 was 1100 or must have been 2020 because it was before the right, pandemic, right? Yes, you're right. Uh, 1137 total. And again, out of uh, out of a community that's uh, what 270,000 in the county, 100,000 in the city, you know, that's well over 1% of of city residents are homeless. Uh 171 vets which should um, uh, should absolutely anger everybody that the vets would not find a home. Chronically homeless, two hundred and fifty six, uh, and and unfortunately, we were talking about some some folks are dealing with with uh, substance abuse and also that are dealing with behavioral health and mentally illness. Seriously, mentally ill is thirty two percent of the homeless. Correct. Wow, I know. And 18% are dealing with a substance abuse uh, disorder. Um, right away, you're like, uh, I thought we had this figured out as far as mental health about you know being able to serve people in, in, a, in a clinical manner. I guess, Chris, we don't, huh? Well, I think we try. Um, okay. You know, um, but... But 32%. 32%. Um, and then a lot of people will say, well, why are they homeless? You know, they just need to get a job. Um, you know, that isn't true. Many people can't get a job. Mm-hmm. And they can't get a job because of um, whatever is going on with them, especially um, with mental illness. There's a lot of mental, mental illness out there. Like you said, 32% of our homeless. And um, I think Colleen, um, working with um, mental illness for most of her life can... Um, 
probably talk about that and the numbers and, yeah. and probably why. And again, we're we're resource rich in this manner, right? We have we the Mental Health Association. We have NAMI. Uh, we NAMI. have providers. Yes. We do. And I think it comes down to the essence of the problem. And for me, that is a six-letter word called trauma. Okay. When you think about, and if you have an opportunity to sit and talk with people who have homelessness, or I know those of my uh, peers in the mental health world, what you always come back to over and over and over again is the word trauma. And I mean, we've all had it. No one escapes. (laughs) No one escapes without some kind of trauma. But when you look to maybe the three of us sitting here. You know, we were talking earlier about we all come from from larger families. You know, you have sibling support. You have parental support. You have financial support. We've all had, we all have jobs that we're not worrying about where our next meal comes from. But when you talk to people who are experiencing homelessness, mental illness, drug and alcohol challenges, these numbers that you just shared, Joel, are self-reported numbers. So what we also know is there's probably a higher number mm-hmm. because many people aren't self-reporting. Right. That's number one. Number two, people, um, I can remember uh, an opportunity I had at our neighbor's place, which is our signal shelter. We can get to in a minute as a solution. Mm-hmm. But I remember sitting there one night and we had a guy who was acting out very behaviorally, very, very challenging. And of course, you have to put down the structure of saying, hey, you know what, you, you, we can't have that. People, you know, you got yeah. 70 people sleeping in the same room as you are. We need you to be quiet and respectful, blah, blah. Well, anyway, he started to cry. And I was sitting at the bottom of his bed. And you know what he told me? He had been, family show, I know, but he had been um, gang assaulted as a 17-year-old. He took a joyride, one wrong experience, went to adult prison had been assaulted there, and he's 42. This is when he was 17. At 42, he's crying himself to sleep every night. So he was acting out because he said, too many people around me, I can't stand this, but there were, you know, it's two degrees outside and 40 inches of snow. And as you start to talk, as I started to talk to him about his trauma, not in a therapy way, just in a, you know, I'll sit here while you try and sleep way, he was sharing with me that he every night has PTSD. Every single night he remembers those grown men. Well, how then do you take that and put him with 70 people in a housing shelter? Mm-hmm. How do you say to him, hey, let's get a job? He's a high school graduate, and yet he cannot manage that. I t- every day I'd see him at the shelter, and every day i say, are you ready today to try for that mental health counselor? And now nah, he said, I'm not ready yet. Wow. And he was one of our people that we had at the homeless right. memorial two years ago. We talked about him because he um, he did die young. He died in his 40s. But I think that's what you speak to. When we think about women with children in, in shelters, what do we know? We know they have a much higher rate than the average, national average, for depression. They have a higher rate of substance abuse. They have a higher rate of PTSD. They talk of their histories, physical trauma, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, physical abuse, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, lack of family resource, yeah. lack of friend resource, lack of financial resource. So people get stuck. And so all the resources you have, somehow they need someone, some caring person who's going to help them get to that caring mental health professional. But that isn't as easy it isn't as easy as it sounds. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to ask because I, I know it's the kind of thing that gets told to me all the time. Yes. Well, you know, this is all coming from the breakdown of the family. Mm. 
and, and again, we're all coming from big families right. with lots of support. Right. That if if you could keep a dad and a mom together and raise those kids, that is the success uh, um, uh, formula. You know, finishing high school, not having a kid before you get married. I mean, you you guys right. have heard this right. stuff, right? Um, you know. But it was pushed back on me recently from one of my, uh, one of my my social work siblings of saying, well, well, what if you, if that if that woman's getting beaten every night, you know, right. even if the even if the man is in the house, that's a problem situation, obviously, Huge. right? Mm-hmm. And so um, it is super unfortunate. And again, talk about trauma. There's probably trauma built into all of that. Um, let's talk about solutions. And I think there's probably various things for various people uh i it in and just a quick rabbit trail on this one of the things that seems to be alarming to me is is the amount of homeless former foster kids that age out of the system i've heard a lot about that as a subset that seems to be quite alarming you know um but uh uh, here, here's the here's the thing. Uh, we this is an eco, in many ways this is an economic development issue. Uh, if if homelessness continues to go up, especially in the downtown central business district, it's going to be a dampening f- effect for recruiting professionals downtown, as well as for wanting anybody to come downtown to take advantage of the entertainment district. I I think it already is having a dampening effect. So we got to get on the solution side. Respond to that. Well, I think one of the solutions you're talking about downtown is well, let's find a place um, for the homeless downtown. You know, so if you if you don't want them in the new areas that are being built right now, then let's find a, another area for them. Even you know, we do have drop-in centers where they can go for the day, uh, but maybe there needs to be other. You know, I um, this past summer, I mean, just having a homeless person be able to find a place to go to the bathroom this summer there wasn't any because mcdonald's and, and you know they're they're closed um this summer we did a big um uh, an appeal out to the community and we got a wonderful wonderful response from the community because there wasn't even a place for them to go get a drink of water yes so we had an appeal to get water and we had so much water and community of caring kind of managed that and gave it to the other agencies so that we could have buckets of water different places that homeless people could just go to that agency and they know that without asking they could just take water out of that that big tub of ice and um so there's just those well they, they put a, a water fountain finally on the outside of city hall i mean so you could fill your water bottle right there wasn't i mean there wasn't even public water in in, in perry square That's you know a, what i mean i don't know if it's even allowed now though because of covid well, most hopefully. of the water fountains are are closed right. off yeah so, and then they put some porta potties at least in east perry square to to kind of you know allow for a few some, places yeah. they did put some porta potties for a while yeah um Okay. But it, it was it was very difficult. Wow. It was very difficult. So one solution went, let's find some places for them to do. Let's and I know there's some talk about that in Erie okay. and and um with the um redevelopment. There is talking about uh, possibly having a place somewhere downtown where um the homeless could gather. And right now I and there would would be some bathrooms from what I understand. Mm-hmm. Um but is that going to happen next year? I don't think so, but maybe the next five years. So what do we do right. between now and then? 
Okay. What what about what about these these younger folks, uh, teens and and uh, the you know the post foster care uh, situation there. Um, you're right. We are seeing we are seeing them, and again, it goes back to the root word trauma. Mm-hmm. We have kids that have come out of foster care, and right. sometimes they do have skill sets that they're able to manage and to secure employment. But what you find is they need a lot more support. Mm-hmm. And we have, I mean, we have some really great foster families here. Um, having worked with our Office of Children and Youth for many years. They recruit and train and do wonderful work. But, you know, when kids come from those kinds of experiences, sometimes it's hard for them to accept the foster family mentorship. Sometimes they do real well. But what you find is when they get on their own, without those kinds of supports built in that each of us here have in our normal everyday life, they're a little bit adrift. Now, we also have several programs for independence. They train for independent um, independence, and that we're finding um, has some really positive outcomes for that age child. Okay. But there's so many sections around this. We still have people who have come out of state mental hospitals who are still trying to find their way with the support of all those one of the wonderful agencies. But these lines are not linear. It's just yeah. like substance abuse, right. right? I talked to a man last night, seven months sober, and he fell. Mm-hmm. But he said he got back up and he did. But we need those kinds of supports from our community that will continue to take people by the hand and lead them to the resources we have because it's hard for them to get there on their own. So you're right. And I think one of those solutions where you find some of this hand holding is, as Chris said, the drop in center at the Mental Health Association mm-hmm. right there on 11th Beach. Yeah. People can come in during the day and there's all kinds of resources built in. They can hang out. Over time, they can access resource. NAMI, they do wonderful work on education and all the other providers. But I think one of the grassroots solutions, if I can speak to that, is our neighbor's place. Yeah, We have the more formal shelters, if you were, if you will, who take people in every night for emergency shelter beds. You know, they accept we have a housing first model. So someone comes, they get in the door until they're full. So from November 17th, which is only two weeks from yesterday, until April 7th this year, I think it is, we will be offering again the seasonal overflow shelter, which is called Our Neighbor's Place. It is um, sponsored by EUMA, which is the United Methodist Alliance, right? And we have churches that have signed up to volunteer. They take a week or two weeks at a time, all volunteers also Servieri. We use people from Servieri as well. And they come in literally and support the people in whatever way is needed there through that night from 7.30 at night. You've probably seen them last year. People were standing outside because sure. MHA had many weeks um, that they sponsored. We have other churches. Um, Church of the Nativity opens their resource Um, The Presbyterian Church of the Covenant opens their resources. And then other churches in our community all come, bring volunteers, and they are there to support that person until 7 a.m. when they have to be out in the morning. One thing that I'm excited about, and that is that this year Yuma has accessed some training resources through a national um, training website. Ryan Dowd, he runs a huge shelter in Indiana, 
uh, I'm sorry, Illinois. And he had come to Erie three years ago to train the librarians, homeless hmm. um, help for librarians, okay. because that is a public space that people are not put out of, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we manage the exact people you've described here, Joel, and we have, at the library? And how? And we took that, his course, brought it to Erie, um, it'll be three years ago in April, and trained some of our providers. Now we're going to be having training and that resource for the volunteers who come because what we find is people have wonderful hearts and they come but they're not prepared for lives of individuals to struggle with mental illness yeah with substance abuse i did right? i did a few nights I know, on, the, nice on their neighbor well on the yes. neighbor's place and yes uh i i it was a, it was a wonderful experience but one yeah. one time i just got totally attacked yeah. For not saying anything, yeah. and uh, you know, yeah. it, it, it kind of shakes you up right. a little bit, it right? Does. But because you're yeah. there with with this big heart, right? Yes, trying to be helpful. But you're dealing with with someone that is that is not uh, totally with you, you yeah. know. And I had I a comment that. once. Remember, Chris, but we were talking about this um, coming up, where somebody said, "Well, you know, why don't they just get a job? Why don't they just get a place? They can go out, apply for money, and get it." Well. <laughs> Sure, all sounds good. Right, but what about um, education for for folks though? Uh, I mean, how do you get people out of homelessness? We mentioned the Erie County Community College; it's free tuition right now. Uh, Is is that going to be? I mean, will there be an ability to get people maybe to to think about? Uh, getting some skills, and they would need the hand-holding, the, the wraparound, if you will. Well, I know for sure that um, a few of the clients that actually live at Community of Caring, which is um, started by Mother Kennedy yeah. many years ago, 42 years ago, many, I, I think it's up to five of the residents that live there are going to the community college. That's terrific. Which, Exciting. you know, and, and so that's another solution. So, mm-hmm. you know, as the shelter helpers that work there, um, just knowing the resources within the, within the area community is one of the most important things. Not everybody can take those resources and, and do them though. You know, right. you always know there's going to be that percentage that that can't do that but but just steering the knowing who can and who can't is is a gift in itself so that you can help that person and then the other person that maybe not won't go to college but you can make sure that they're hopefully staying clean and sober they're taking their medicines when they need to Mm -hmm. so there's all those little things that um as shelter workers and um believe me i respect all shelter workers and the people that sure. work directly day and day and day in and out with um, all the homeless popula- population because um, it's challenging. It, it really is challenging. And and it, sometimes it's sad because you want to be able to help and you just, you you know, everything you try to do, you know, almost like a door gets closed in your face. So. Right. And that's another space where we don't have enough shelter workers. They're okay, trying sure. to do more and more with right. less and less people because people are not in this time attracted to that kind of work. All right. Let's see if we can get to some bullet points here. So, again, education is is a solution. Um, certainly um, making sure that uh, that wellness in every regard, whether it is mental health, physical health, is available. And, and are, are we doing – I mean, I mean, are people accessing, you know, whether whether it is the, um, you know, the, the 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 health clinics and so on, 
to to get their meds if they're diabetic to you know to get their height hypertension meds and so on is that all working for the homeless population i think it's working relatively yeah. well I'll jump in because also community health net being right okay, downtown yeah. they do a wonderful job and they have had walking clinics for vaccines okay. they're doing um they and the erie department of health have worked together to go out to sites for vaccination clinics especially for people who are homeless because if you get covid and you're homeless Mm-hmm. You're, that's a problem. How horrible for us yeah. to get COVID being at home, but when you have nowhere to go. And so they they do a good job of that. I think physical health. We have health care for the homeless, which has worked for years, also to help people with physical um, disabilities and challenges to be able to secure those things they need. When you think about the number of blighted homes, uh, is 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 a solution to be to, to take down some of those homes and maybe rebuild a neighborhood that could be safer with newer newer homes, multifamily. I mean, does zoning sometimes hurt us when it comes to having affordable housing? I mean, I, I, good question. I, I mean, I, I think that is a good question. I'm not quite sure. I'm sure that yeah. I'm sure that happens. Yeah. Um, but you know, to have a community, a place where you know people could go in a nice new environment. Um, I mean, there's just so much money that's floating around right now, and then and then the bills that are pending, uh, you know, in Washington, it, it would it would make sense. And I've and I've heard, uh, you know, they want in California, they want to just build like uh, they want to take federal lands and just build, you know, single bedroom houses, just places, because you know, obviously in California, it's it's a chronic issue of just that that, that continuous. And you're bringing up a really good topic that. Um, the home team really needs to take on Mm -hmm. um, and start working with the community leaders. Mm -hmm. And um, we have done that in the past and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, just kind of stirring that up and going, we really need to, because there is money that is coming into the community and we don't want to forget about the homeless people that are out there. And what can we use some of that money to, to um, build better houses and help the shelters that are out there. And you just also hit about the national trend, which is tiny homes. Yeah, right. Exactly. You know, you read some of the research on that. It is amazing what they've been able to do by literally creating communities of tiny homes where people can walk out and there's someone there who could maybe help. Yeah. But they can also have some independence and privacy. Yeah. And respectful living. I think that would be amazing. I got to ask you before we run out of time, the concept of... um, you know, people that are really trying to better themselves and they're digging their way and maybe they're getting their their stackable skills, we like to say. So you start out as a nurse's aide and maybe right. you go to the community college and you get to become an LPN and you can right. become an RN and so on, right? And you're building your way out of, uh, out of homelessness and out of uh, financial insecurity. But isn't there a place where if you make too much money, you lose all of your benefits? Do you guys ever talk about that at the home team, about the cliff the cliff of ben- of benefits falling off and and whether our legislators can do something to rectify that to allow people a decent chance to get out of out of um you know poverty, poverty. Yeah. exactly yeah that's one of the barriers that we create there's many barriers out there that we don't create they just are there but those are the barriers that we create the government um agencies um especially um you know for a single woman 
um, she might get a job, and because she she got that job, and she's um, making maybe $8 an hour, um, she loses her medical, medical assistance, assistance for her children. Oh, my God. And so then she— At 8 bucks an hour. At 8 bucks an hour, she loses That's that. That's ridiculous. And she loses half of her food stamps. So, so what happens then when Dollar General says, you know, we're paying everybody $11 an well, hour? See, it's that different ju- now. It's okay. different now. They fixed I, it. Okay. Right, well, n- not that they fixed it, but, it, you know. Because there's a lot of upward right. pressure, on, especially in right. these national chains. Target's got 15 bucks an right. hour yes. emblazoned. People are are paying more. So, you know, I'm saying $8, and yeah. I'm, thinking of, I'm thinking pre-COVID. Got it, got it, got it. So got it. pre-COVID, and now, now after but, COVID, you could make, but they're still going to lose um, the money, the, the, the medical assistance, and maybe some of their food stamps. Which, which, which is catastrophic. It right, is. and so then they have to pay their rent. You know, at least they're going to pay their rent, but then they can't take their children to the doctors or they don't have a lot of healthy foods to give their children. So it's a double-edged sword always out there. Always. And and then again, if you stop qualifying for Section 8 or stop qualifying for subsidized housing, uh, you're going to get into that situation. And Section 8, you know, the community only gets so many vouchers. So it's not – it's limited. not that everybody, oh, I can be on Section 8. It doesn't work that way. And you can You're on a, a waiting list, a long waiting right. list. Right. And with you can have a voucher in hand and not be able to find an apartment. Exactly. Oh, my. Where, someone, where you have a landlord. Although yes. some landlords are terrific and some are really happy to take it. But it's always the challenge. We got to leave it there. Thank oh, God. you. <laughs> no, Thank you so I don't much. sure we have so many solutions, but we're going to keep at this. We are. We have Colleen Hammond, Chris Tomba from the Erie County uh, Home Team. You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com. <laughs>